Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, June 11th. Before we get to another edition of Getting to the Point, our new series focusing on the importance of nutrition and physical fitness within the game of tennis that we put on with the help of our friends at Aerobar, I have just two quick things I want to run by all of you listeners. The first is, there was some big news made in the professional tennis world today. Of course, what I am talking about is the fact that we learned that even if there are no sanctioned ATP or ITF WTA events during this 2020 calendar season, even if there are, I should say, we will not be seeing Roger Federer for the rest of this year. He announced on social media today in a note to all of his fans that he has undergone arthroscopic procedure on his right knee, and he will be out for the remainder of this 2020 season. Now, the note reads as follows. Dear fans, I hope you are staying safe and healthy. And just, you know, I thought about doing a Federer impersonation there, but I don't really know how to do it there. There are just so many different languages you can choose. Just know that my eyebrows are extra thick as I'm reading this. Anyways, dear fans, I hope you are staying safe and healthy. A few weeks ago, having experienced a setback during my initial rehabilitation, I had to have an additional quick arthroscopic procedure on my right knee. Now, much like I did leading up to the 2017 season, I plan to take the necessary time to be 100% ready to play at my highest level. I will be missing my fans and the tour dearly, but I will look forward to seeing everyone back on tour at the start of the 2021 season. All the best, Roger. Now let's start here. Only Roger Federer can write the phrase, had to have an additional quick arthroscopic procedure on my right knee and make it feel like it's no big deal at all. But let's be clear, Roger Federer in 2021 is going to start the year off at age 39. It will be his 24th year since he turned professional on the pro circuit, I should say, his 24th year of professional tennis, you know, minus the fact that he's already put over a thousand matches on his body, minus the fact that he's already put, you know... uh, what a conservative estimate, let's say 300 tournaments in total in his career on his body, something like that. And if you count through the juniors, that's probably about right. Uh, This is a knee that has bothered him before. And you know, for Roger Federer, it is a lot, even 2017, three, four years ago, uh, he was younger. And, you know, thirty. the difference between 34 and, well, I suppose, or what was he in 2017? If he turns 40 this year, then for, the difference between, you know, 36 and 40 is bigger than the gap between 26 and 30. It's bigger than the gap even between 32 and 36 uh, because at a certain point, you know, you just can't get the spring back the way you can when you are a young athlete. And so, you know, for Roger, I'm thrilled as a tennis fan that he has a positive attitude that he thinks this will be like his rehab heading into 2017 and as we all remember that was a season where Roger Federer won two Grand Slam events and so certainly the Federer fans are rooting for that to happen again Um, but it will be fascinating to see how he recovers how he rehabs what sort of spring he's able to get back and again I don't know uh, the extent of the procedure additional quick arthroscopic procedure doesn't sound great Uh, you know arthroscopic whenever that word is used that doesn't sound ideal but I suppose quick is a word if you're looking for positivity, uh, that's a word to rest your uh, your positive attitude on. Uh, but it's certainly a development. And look, we will learn more about this injury, I'm sure, as time goes on. And to be honest, given the uncertainty surrounding the tour, of course, earlier this week, Novak Djokovic, Rafael Nadal, 
both coming out and saying they're not sure they're going to play the U.S. Open this year, given the environment, the atmosphere right now, how much uncertainty there is, whether they can safely or say they can safely uh, execute that event, ensure the health of all of the players. Uh, but so, you know, to be honest, I didn't expect to see Federer in 2020, given all of that uncertainty at this point. What would he? I just don't think the risk would be worthwhile for him. Uh, but certainly, this is again another dimension to add as we look towards that 2021 season. And again, by the way, uh, things such as the Djokovic Nadal comments, things such as this ATP player meeting, it sounds like that happened today, uh, that didn't go particularly great, where they discussed what the future, immediate future might look like if they were to return to pro action, uh, things like that, uh, you know, things like what the U.S. Open since are starting to look like. Of course, the ITF launched their $2.6 million relief fund for fellow stakeholders. This one was for national associations, junior player grants, and financial support for wheelchair tennis. Uh, all of those things I want to discuss in further depth on tomorrow's podcast as well, but just thought all of you listeners, you know, obviously that is the big news from t- the day in tennis, and you know, that's what the mini break was made for, a platform for us to discuss the biggest storylines, results, and controversies, and you know, is a certain, you know, this knee injury, does it affect Roger Federer's legacy at all? No, of course not. It doesn't rise to that level of a story. But, you know, again, given his age, anytime you undergo a surgery, that's never a great thing. And so it'll be just interesting to see how he recovers, particularly, again, given the environment that he's going to have to recover in. Uh, That being said, again, before we get to our conversation today of getting to the point, I have to also let all of you listeners know, that these podcasts, day in, day out at the mini break, are made possible due to the support we get from our friends at MidwestSports.com. And you hear me say it every day. So, folks, I'm just going to keep it simple today. They've been serving tennis players around the world for more than 20 years. They offer comprehensive selection, fast shipping tennis supplies few retailers can match, tens of thousands of products available for shipping. They value innovation. They've personally tailored their products to highlight your skills on the court. Well-trained staff uh, that will help you with each and every decision you have to make throughout the process. Consistently first to market with their selections. They pride themselves stocking their warehouse with the newest products at the lowest prices. You all already know all of that. I just want to remind you one last time, when you go to MidwestSports.com, you will see things you like. I guarantee it. And you're going to want to get yourself the proper equipment to best prepare yourself for when you make your return to the court, as I talked about with Dave Limke, buyer and product manager at Midwest Sports on a recent Great Shot podcast. Uh, The equipment is an underrated element in the importance of getting your best tennis out on the court, you know, making sure your strings aren't dead, making sure your frame isn't crapped, crapped. making sure you know your grips and your racket's not flying out of your hand as we get closer and closer to summer it becomes more and more likely that that's going to happen uh you're going to want to have the right supply so if you go to midwestsports.com you use our promo code cr15 not only will you get 15 percent off all of your purchases not only will you get free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding 75 dollars but you will also get a free can of wilson extra duty tennis balls on top of it all else because midwest sports again wants to ensure that you have everything you need for when you make your return to the tennis court. So go to MidwestSports.com, use the promo code CR15. We are so grateful for their support. The least we can do is ask you to support them as well. We also are grateful for the support we get from our friends at Aerobar, and that is why we are so excited to continue doing these Getting to the Point episodes. And joining us on today's episode is the current Director of Sports Performance, Talent Development, and Nutrition at the John McEnroe Tennis Academy. He is a former sports writer for the Huffington Post as well, a guy uh, many of you will know if you have been closely following tennis for the past decade, decade and a half. I, of course, am talking about Richard John. Mensing, who joins the show today to talk about what we talk about here on Getting to the Point, the importance of nutrition, of ensuring that you are properly fueling yourself in order to get the best out of your tennis game. And, you know, that importance isn't just the ju- in the, you know, upper echelons of the game, in the juniors, in the college ranks, whatever level you play tennis, if you're properly fueling your body, you're going to feel an edge. And Richard talks about that point. He talks about how he got into uh, nutrition and how it's something that he has built his life life around. And, you know, he talks about working with so many great players over the years and how it's not a one-size-fits-all nutrition-wise for every athlete. Every athlete's different and why you have to tailor specific nutritional needs for specific types of athletes. It's a fascinating conversation. And of course, um, 
you know, with our friends at Aerobar, uh, they've been on top of the game. It's still the only tennis-specific energy bar option out there. So for all of you listeners, again, as we're making our returns to the tennis court, as well as wearing the proper gear, you want to be properly fueled as well. So go to aerobar.com, use our promo code CRACKED15 to get 15% off your purchase. You are going to love the Aerobars. I guarantee it, folks. And with that in mind, I also guarantee you are going to enjoy today's episode. So without further ado, let's get to our latest edition of Getting to the Point, where we are joined by Director of Sports Performance, Talent Development, and Nutrition at the John McEnroe Tennis Academy, Richard John Mensing, right after this. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Joining us for another edition of Getting to the Point is the current Director of Sports Performance, Talent Development, and Nutrition at the John McEnroe Tennis Academy. He is also a former contributor to the Huffington Post, someone whose work you are certainly familiar with if you've been following the game of tennis closely. Richard John Mensing. Richard, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm really excited to be here. Oh, it is absolutely our pleasure to have you. And I have to say personally, before I let Mark and Andrew get involved, I enjoyed reading some of your work uh, going back through. I I had forgotten, I think it was the 2013 Wimbledon was the one where there were a bunch of players who had injured. I think it was seven had to withdraw due to injury because of how slippery the grass courts were. Um, I'm curious, you know, uh, seven years later, what have you thought about the development? Um, In the development of... The grass, you know, you feel like the, the surface has gotten safer? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, the, I think what has always historically been the case is that we expect the slips and falls and loss of traction and cutting to happen in the second week as the grass turns into uh, dirt. Um, but that, you know, that was, uh, you know, watching uh ice skating uh on a tennis court uh take place and i mean i sat there and what along with everyone else and uh you know being on the tour at the time and thinking this can't be happening and something has to happen and i think that uh that was a benchmark on really kind of all all uh, grand slams and really big tournaments really addressing the quality of surface and what needs to take place uh, in order to protect the players because uh, without them, the sport is nothing. And uh, as I've always said, nobody's coming to the French Open final to see me play, you know, you. <laughs> as much as I wish it was... Uh, the case uh, that would uh, they they'd be in a position which they are right now, where they're not going to have an audience when they play tennis. Yeah. My, so, I, um, my my counterpoint would be in 2020 alone, maybe some people would come watch us. Well, that's true. I <laughs> feel like if there was ever a chance where any of us could win a grand slam. This might be it. No, absolutely. And, you know, the reason I wanted to ask you that question to introduce our viewers is you are someone who thinks about the game quite a bit in all aspects of it. Uh, But obviously, as your title indicates, nutrition, health, being fit, getting the best out of yourself physically is something you specialize in and something we like to talk about here at Getting to the Point. But before I let Mark take over with the questions, I have to ask, how does someone go from, you know, CBS, television network abc entertainment to being the director of sports performance at the john McEnroe tennis academy yeah uh it's uh i'm like a cat with nine lives um <laughs> it uh it, you know look it always um is in part because um i have a vision or a desire or a passion and 
in my belief and in my work towards something, there are people along the way who took a chance on me. And it always goes back to those people who took a chance on me or taught me something or allowed me to try and prove myself. Um, so I've always, you know, I'm super humble and always appreciative of that. And I've always used that in telling people that, you know, you can always evolve and change and be something else or create something different in every aspect. And I think a lot of that really is um, from the nucleus of growing up playing sports and being around um, parents and uh, relatives who were all incredible athletes, um, all Americans and pros and this, that, and the other, who instilled the value of what sports can provide you in every aspect of life. And so, you know, I grew up playing sports. I love sports. I went into an undergraduate degree at the University of Maryland in journalism because I loved um, writing and producing and all of that. And it was odd because I never really kind of looked at, oh, maybe I pursued the line of uh, sports uh, reporting and all of that. It was more uh, from a writing standpoint and more dramatic television. Yeah. And um, someone took a chance on me, uh, honestly, literally took a chance on me. This woman, um, fresh out of college and uh, as a writer producer and gave me a chance and you know, started as a writer's assistant and um, sort of worked my way up. And every time somebody said no, I kind of tried to sneak in another door. Um, and, um, you know, I spent I six years, seven years at uh, CBS as a writer producer. Uh, incredibly blessed, uh, very fortunate. And probably the last two years of that was really missing uh, sports in a different way, uh, both from the standpoint of me as an athlete and the aspects of what sports and nutrition and things um, were happening. And this was this was the late 80s. And at that point, I was already gluten-free and dairy-free, which was unheard of. And I was testing things with my body and uh, I kind of woke up and said, I want to do something else. And I kind of looked at the aspects of what that might be. And I was actually first drawn to um, holistic medicine. So um, naturopathic medicine, I applied to a very prestigious university in Washington called Bastyr University. I got accepted. I kind of walked away from my job at CBS, uh, much to the chagrin of my parents and other people <laughs> going, what, you're walking away from the network television job? And I just wasn't, I, I kind of had, had had enough and I really wanted to be involved in sports and alternative medicine and things like that. What I didn't realize is that it rains every day in Seattle, Washington. Um, and this program was four years minimum, six years, and I knew myself well enough to know that that was not happening. Um, I would never, I'd never survive. <laughs> so I kind of did a U-turn and turned more towards sports, and that led me to getting a master's in sports performance and nutrition, more from the holistic side, and um, really pursuing my uh, love of sports that kind of in an odd way took me towards um, things like triathlons and stuff that were natural to me outside of cycling because I grew up running and swimming and um, all of that and fell into a group of people that were in school with me who were all um, pursuing kind of the same thing, looking for an outlet. And from that, 
Uh, it was a combination of things that built a, I built a business around it um, in the <clears throat> 90s and then had a client who said to me, do you miss TV? And I said, yeah, I feel like I have unfinished business. Uh, one thing led to another introduction, introduction. Someone else took a chance on me, ended up back in TV um, at ABC, spent uh, three great years there, uh, and then sort of came full circle, went back to CBS, and was at CBS as uh, the uh, vice president of daytime programming and uh, until all the soap operas went off the air and we all lost our jobs. And then um, I had an offer to go work in German television and I moved to Berlin and it was a short stint. And while I was there, a friend of mine introduced me to um, a tennis coach who was looking for a fitness coach who wasn't from the tennis world, um, ironically, for his player for off-season initially. And um, that's sort of how my world back into sports came from the 90s back into the 2010. And um, I was on the Pro Tour and still am on the Pro Tour. And uh, a couple things, foot surf surgeries while on the pro tour and things like that led me to uh, be off the tour and uh, while I was off the tour I met uh, a guy who's a dear friend of mine who's uh, now the phys head physio for the Milwaukee Bucks and he said to me do you want to put uh, this sports performance program together at John's Academy and I was surprised they didn't have one um, and uh, so we put it to together and presented it and uh, grew it from kind of nothing into what it is today. And I will say that uh, it, uh, with the support of a lot of people, a lot of people from John and Patrick and parents and the tennis directors and coaches and the kids, um, we had to get the kids to come in and start believing in this aspect of it because all they knew was tennis for the most part. And what I kept saying was tennis means nothing if you can't move, if you don't understand how the body functions, if you can't push and plant and produce power. And uh, uh, a lot of kids had injuries and things like that. So it be evolved into something bigger than uh, I think we all anticipated initially. And um, I'm really proud of my team and um, the kids work super hard and here we are. Yeah, no, that's awesome to hear. Pursuing, you know, pursuing your passion, seeing where it follows, that is something I can absolutely relate with here, uh, doing this now at Cracked Rackets full-time. And, you know, again, I want to ask you more about, you know, your nutrition program, what you guys are up to. But I have heard a rumor that, and, you know, we are with, of course, Mark and Andrew here from Aerobar, and I have heard that it was very closely almost called mensing bars or that they were going to be called <laughs> RJM bars. Is there any truth to that? <laughs> well, I, uh, that, that I never heard. However, <laughs> if it's, if, if it, uh, if it is, uh, potentially was potentially that I'm honored that it was even considered. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I quite like the air, the name Arabon. I think it works very well. Thanks. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a good last name, but, uh, <laughs> no, I guess we can lead into some of the stuff and I'm, you know, jump around, um, you know, we just talked about Aerobar and the naming. Um, you know, what what enticed you, or what kind of got you motivated uh, to work with Aerobar to be involved with it? You know, I think what the first thing that I really liked was the idea that this was something that was initially put together with the tennis player in mind. Um, I find that tennis is such a unique sport compared to any other sport because 
it has no shot clock per se outside of the service clock now. But you know, there no we have no idea. That match can be over in forty five minutes or it can be over in five hours or forty five minutes. So the idea of taking something that is a little more sports specific and building around it, understanding the needs of what a player takes place on court uh, is something that was really intriguing to me. And um, plus, you know, the guys involved uh, made it quite, uh, quite uh, enticing to come and work with because they're great fun. And I liked who the ambassadors were and who was involved. And so uh, that's kind of why initially I was drawn to it. No, yeah, we definitely tried to fill a void and are still trying to fill a void in the tennis market. Um, you know, like you said, even even at, um, you know, at the academy up there, you know, there were, you know, when you took over and you started running what was involved in the cafe. And, you know, I remember you being kind of surprised that, that there just weren't that many good options out there. So we're, we're, we're trying. Um uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you, you know, with your titles, it's like, I mean, my title at my tennis club is just tennis director. Yours is more impressive. Um, <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah. But, you know, as a director of performance, um, which is exactly what you are, um, you know, how important do you think that link is between nutrition and performance for athletes? Oh, it's, you know, it's everything now. I mean, you look at, uh, the modern day athlete, um, you know, it's the, I always say there are several pillars that have made the longevity of players in every professional sport. I mean, you look at our sport in tennis, you look at football, you look any of them. The reason they are successful isn't because they, uh, you know, redeveloping strokes all the time yes are they tweaking them and not absolutely but it's all the variables that weren't really thought of 10 years ago that didn't have the importance behind them the strength and conditioning the nutrition the aspect of proper breath work um all the modalities like yoga uh pilates mobility work um, acupuncture, um, you know, chiropractic, all of those things together lead to pure performance. And I remember, uh, when I first, when I was in college and I took a, a class that, uh, was introduction to Eastern religion and philosophy, and it was supposed to be a cake course. You just showed up two times this little Chinese man read stories, never took attendance. It was probably the most impactful class outside of my journalism classes for my entire four years. And it basically changed my life in a lot of ways. And one of the philosophies that he always said is the mind is the garden and the body is the gardener. And without one, the other can't flourish. So if the body is the garden and the mind is the gardener, the two have to work off one another. So I always looked at that initially from a kind of literal standpoint of like, that's all the nutrition. That, all of that needs to happen in order to really be successful. And back then it was like, you know, you ate white pasta and you ate, you know, whatever, and you put butter, it didn't matter. Those days are long gone. And nutrition and performance is individualized now. It has to be. It's all based on uh, not one size fitting all. It's based on consistency and timing. And what I like about something like Aerobar is for me, it provides you with the perfect aspect of pre, intra, and post, which you're going to get clean, great fuel 
from a pre, pre-workout, pre-match, pre-whatever, intra, during, workout, during a match, whatever, and post. So you're fulfilling all those things that are vital aspects of, of proper performance and recovery. So, Richard, um, yeah. so you you work with a gamut of players, obviously, from younger kids all the way to you're on tour with Christina McHale. Um, how do you tailor their specific nutrition needs? Um, how do you go about that? You know, how does it vary from, you know, juniors all the way running the gamut all the way to your, you know, pro player in Christina? Yeah, Um I build it very similar to how we build a periodization chart in developing the strength and conditioning aspect. Um, So a lot of it is about, especially when it's more of a pro player and all of that moving towards matches off season into in season, where the juniors are more tricky because there is no off season and these kids play, unless they're playing like ITFs, which I have plenty that are, they're playing, they can end up two to three matches in a day with these ridiculous breaks that are like uh, one hour maximum in between each after they've just played a three hour match. So it is really key to be consistent in your nutrition um, every day and so that on days when you're playing matches, you already have the reserves and then being able to know the strategies of, okay, within, if I only have an hour, um, maybe all I get is a bar or I get a, um, you know, some aspect of just a replenishment of essential amino acids and, and, um, you know, like a fast acting starch that won't spike my blood sugar levels. So it's strategic in kind of understanding the world that they're playing in and they're all different. So, um, and then I have to always equate like, are there kids that have certain food allergies? Are there kids that are vegetarian or vegan? Are there kids who whatever? So we kind of sit down and develop a plan from that that's sort of long-term on one level and understanding that in that long-term, there are a lot of like um, unexpected you know, things that we have to be ready for. Right. So, you know, we talk about this all the time. And one of the reasons we developed it, um, one of the many reasons was we just felt like the nutrition from specifically junior players and specifically what they take on court was just severely lacking. And we knew that this could provide a tremendous edge for somebody on court, Um, you know, some clean energy. Obviously, the pros you work with, it's their livelihood. And, you know, they're going to be a lot more dialed in than the juniors. But do you agree with that in terms of how much of an edge do you see from your players specifically that you're working with over their competition? Because they're eating a lot cleaner and they're doing a lot better things. I mean, do you see a big edge for them Uh, in that regard? Yeah, I definitely do. I think it's a combination of things. I feel like, um, you know, I have a mantra and everyone that's ever worked with me, it's the very the way that I live, the Catalan Spanish way of you suffer for success. I've always believed it. I've always tried to live that way and training myself and how I eat and the things that I pursue. And it's how I train my players. And they understand that all the hard work that we do in the gym, on the track, on the court, up hills, and bleachers, you know, whatever it is that they're suffering through means nothing if they don't have the proper nutrients, both throughout each day and especially on court. So 
we I try to work very hard on getting them to buy in and understand. And it also has to happen with the parents because if the parents don't buy in, um, a lot of times kids left to their own devices, it's crap. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I've seen uh, big differences uh, where I've had kids who just can stay out there because they're taking the right nutrients in, they're taking the right electrolytes in at the right times, they're taking the right bite of the bar at the right time. They may take a little bit of, you know, uh, some dates or whatever it is that's working for them. Uh, definitely, always. I mean, I feel like that at the end of the day is is something that's going to get you over the hump when somebody else is over there cramping. Nice. Yeah. And just stay on the topic of uh, following up on the question about Christina. Um, a few years back at the pro tournament that I run, um, Noah Rubin was sitting in my office who has trained <laughs> with you for, for a long time. And he yes. Was he was talking about how like desperately he really needed and was like longing for, you know, a three or four day training block with you. Uh, what, what would a, a training block of just getting your hands on somebody for three or four days um, that's out there playing high level junior tennis or college or pro tennis? What, what would that entail? Um, so when he was like referring for those three to four day training block, he was like, talking not just for one week like three to four days and then left us um you know it's it can entail again it becomes player specific uh when i'm especially when i meet with a player for the first time you know we're looking at their history i'm looking at their injuries i'm looking at where they feel or their tennis coach says to me this is the area of weakness. This is the area that we need to highlight. Uh, we only have this amount of weeks. Maybe we, they only have four weeks and I can only have them X amount of days. So then from that, I basically put together, you know, something that's always, it's always going to incorporate, uh, strength, uh, work. It's going to incorporate power work. Um, a lot of mobility work and it's going to have a lot of conditioning work in it. And it could be built in two a days, depending on if I have them, you know, in off season or like where there's a break in between big enough tournaments where you have a four week period or a three week period where you could do almost a mini off season style workout. Um, so like when Noah refers to that, he refers to, to those kind of days of like two a days, three or four times yeah. a week. Um, and they're, they're heaven for me, awful for him. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, uh, see, you, you know, I think I called you after that because he was, he finished up a pretty easy match on my stadium court and then came up just to ask permission to uh, use the court to do some fitness. Yeah. And I, I, I said, yeah, that's, uh, you know, go have at it. So you would have been happy with that. Yes. Um, appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you also, you know, you played lacrosse, if I recall, and obviously we're pretty heavy in the triathlon scene for a long time. You know, what, what did you learn from all of that from a nutrition and fitness standpoint? I know you've discussed a little bit, that the triathlon guys, you know, are sometimes five to 10 years ahead of the curve with, with some of the stuff they're doing. And how have you incorporated that into your, the, the tennis training that you do? Yeah. Um, I think for me, it, the, the, it was kind of a symbiotic relationship in the triathlon world. The fact that I was in getting my master's and really kind of studying super hard, um, every aspect of um, nutrition and stuff. I always, my philosophy was this. I was never going to be the fastest swimmer. I was never, certainly never going to be the best cyclist because it wasn't natural to me and I don't actually like it so much. And 
um, I was never going to be the fastest runner. I was going to be good in good to above average in certain disciplines of the three. But where I felt I had an advantage, and that came early in the early on, as I'd said, like in the late '80s, where all of a sudden I was gluten free and dairy free, which were unheard of. Um, but I had read enough and was learning enough about how those things affected the body. So I was looking for any advantage I could possibly get in order to make my suffering um, as tolerable and as least painful as possible. Um, and sort of nutrition was kind of where it was at. It was nutrition and it was acupuncture and it was yoga and Pilates, all those kind of things. You know, I always said I was doing, I was doing yoga before Madonna started doing yoga. People said, "Oh, look, yoga." Um, so um, you were also drinking coconut water. You told me. Yes, I was. anyone else. I, I always said, "My God, if there are certain things if I had known to." bottled coconut water, uh, uh, it would have been a thing. So, yeah, we were definitely experimenting and learning a lot of things um, collectively and individually. And I saw what was working and what wasn't working. And so as I continued to experiment on myself, um, I kind of started incorporating those things in with my private clients um, and things like that. And I've always felt that no matter what type of client I have, if it's someone who's, you know, a executive in a, a Fortune 500 company or some woman who just had a baby or it's a basketball player or tennis player, whatever, whomever it is, the nutrition aspect is always addressed and it's always addressed individually um, because without it, you're never going to achieve and see what uh, is truly possible. So I've always just kind of said, this is beyond important. And people know that with me. Um, and look, I hate the word diet. I never use it. I don't believe in it. Um, because it's so negative um, and it doesn't mean anything. It's about your nutrition and it's about your lifestyle. And everybody's lifestyle, you know, Christina's lifestyle, as you guys said, is this is her, this is how she makes money. The lifestyle of these juniors that I work with, they're either trying to be the best that they can be and then perhaps turn pro, but the majority of them want to go play at a really good university D1 tennis, just like basketball players that I have that are juniors and lacrosse kids that I have and soccer kids. That's their goal. And I always say, you're never going to achieve that goal unless you know how to eat properly and recover properly. And recovery happens through nutrition. Yeah, no, no that's exactly why we did it. We, um, we had our we had Jay Berger on last week, who was Andrew and my college coach at the University of Miami. Yeah, and we were, and we were discussing just we would crush the fitness. I mean, Jay acknowledged that we probably did a little too much fitness, but um, that that we were really lacking in just an understanding of the nutrition, and we didn't really have options of of things to eat before, during, or after. Um, so yeah. yeah it's, I do this thing with my some of my juniors um, where, like, they will say, you know, like, I believe in rotating, like, protein shakes. Like, um, because I think you get really good value from a, uh, a vegan pea protein with brown rice. It basically covers all the essential amino profile that you would get in a whey protein. But I also love a goat's milk protein because goat's milk is the way that it breaks down is completely different and it's 
so really almost cussed. So it's so terrific. <laughs> um, it's so terrific, especially for heavy sweaters. So I have players in a lot of sports who lose a lot of water, and I do. I make them do goat's milk um, as a smoothie, and put a little like Himalayan sea salt or Celtic sea salt in there as well. Um, you can't really taste it, um, but I like mixing those three up throughout the week um, for certain players because it gives you a nice different aspect of all the profiles of aminos and vitamin Bs and stuff like that on top of nutrition. And those things nowadays, that's what makes um, a difference. That's what separates kids that are kids that do mobility work and flexibility work and proper nutrition and are willing to sort of say, I'll do whatever it takes. Um, those are the kids that went. Those are the kids that went. Yeah, for sure. And uh, kind of the last question for me, I, I ask it of everybody that we have on here. So we've asked Mike Russell and James Blake and Jay Berger. Um, was there any like one particular moment in your athletic career or any other time that was that pivotal, just light switch moment of, okay, I'm going to prioritize my fitness and nutrition and it's going to be the number one thing I focus on. Um, yeah, I, it was, uh, you know, I, I think I'd said that I was in TV and I was really kind of missing sports and I really wanted to be much more, but, uh, I remember it was, uh, New Year's Eve of uh, 1988, and uh, I went out, and I'm, you know, I was not a big drinker. I was a social drinker, and I remember waking up the next morning and feeling like dog crap, and I just said to myself, "This isn't worth it." I, because I really wanted to do this. New Year's Day run and kick off the new year. And I just, I did it. Felt like crap because I'd kind of thrown up the night before and all of that, which was not to get graphic, but <laughs> it was. Um, no, no, I've, I've, I've done it, Richard. I've done yeah. it. Um, and I uh, said, yeah. Um, I, this doesn't work for me and I'm never going to drink again. And I'm going to put a priority on the things that make me happy. And that at that time and still to this day are sports and nutrition and the evolution of longevity, which I'm studying right now and all of that. Um, and that was my, that was my sort of aha moment was like, I woke up that morning, I was disappointed in myself because I wasn't going to be able to do what I had looked forward to doing. And I just said to myself, uh, I'm not going to drink anymore. And this, my priority is going to be getting in front of and ahead of all of this. And I haven't had a drink since I could drink if I wanted and no interest in it. And it sort of became that day where I also kind of said, okay, I'm going to do other things. I became a Tibetan Buddhist and da, 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 da. But that was my kind of day, January 1st, 1989. Nice. Yeah. No, it's good. Love to hear that. Absolutely. And yeah, I can even say as the young one in the group, um, yeah, I, I, even I know about puking after drinking. I think we're all well aware of it at this point. It happens to the best of us for sure. Um, my last question for you before we let you go, and you know, we've talked about the nutrition aspect. You've talked about you know why it's important to replicate uh, that competitive environment in training on this show before, and we've had the chance to talk to so many players during this quarantine period who have said how difficult it is to replicate that sort of match environment, and you know. They 
they're worried about going back on tour having not had match reps in quite a bit of time uh in your opinion are you worried about uh you know maybe there being a higher potential for injury if these players rush back too quickly i suppose to pro events um yes you know i think again it's you know i can speak um you know with christina because uh, Christina and I train all the time, you know, in the sense of we train virtually and she's had the luxury of being in Atlanta and her brother-in-law's Ryan Harrison. So she had, they've hit and they've played practice matches and stuff like that. Is it the same as the day in and day out grind of, you know, whether it's the, a Charleston style round Robin, which or something even bigger. Yeah, I definitely think that um, you rush back into it, um, there is that danger. Because if you look, you know, if you, you know, I always look at, you know, people always say to me, oh, it's so weird. Like all these players get injured at the Aussie Open after they've just had a really good off season and, and all of that. Why is that? And I was like, well, sometimes they're over and sometimes they trained, but they didn't train properly in certain aspects. When you haven't really trained at all and then had the chance to then put in all those hours of like really kind of match play, um, you know, aspects and I, I definitely feel like there is um, some kind of sense of trepidation. I hope that um, we don't see that happen, but I, 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 I mean, I've spoken to plenty of players um, who, who certainly have that worry. And, and, you know, and it's players who are players, big, big players. So um, it's, you know, this it's all of it is so bizarre as we all know that uh, you know look we may all be surprised and everybody comes back and hopefully everybody's healthy and no one's injured that would be awesome um because the sport need we need the sport and uh we need it to get back to normal i'm more i'm worried about the juniors um more so as you know because i feel like a lot of them have, I mean, I've been fortunate to have a lot of my players have the ability to have gotten out of the city or what have you and be in their house in Pennsylvania and they have a tennis court or they have access to a tennis court and their, you know, cousins or brothers are playing high level college tennis and are now home. So they get that and we still get to train and some of when this first started, not to go on a tangent, but <laughs> I I saw the need to get weights ordered for a lot of these kids that I knew I'd be working with um, before the sweep of can't find a kettlebell, can't find a dumbbell, can't find a jump rope anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. So I've been fortunate in that with my own players on some level, but I worry about a lot of these kids because I'm working with kids now who have just come back and who have done nothing, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, I was so, going to say, we, we've all been making those trips to the refrigerator. <laughs> not, not me. <laughs> when I go, well, my refrigerator trips are pretty, you know, they, my refrigerator may look different than yours. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, I mean, yours is just purely arrow bars, whereas mine has an endless supply of Reese's. Very exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, that's perfect. Well, again, Richard, we want to thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. Uh, for any of our listeners who are curious, again, about, you know, learning more about you and your program, how can they learn more about what you're up to? Um, You know, I'm, I'm so old school. I'm not one of those dudes. Instagram or any of that. I don't have any of that. <laughs> um, so it's so bizarre. You know, and I have Twitter from the as aspect of it as a writer, but I'm never really on it. I guess um, the way that, you know, you can always reach out to me on my email. It's 
uh, sports, S-P-O-R-T-S, Buddha, B-U-D-D-H-A-39 at yahoo.com. Yes, I, somebody still has a Yahoo address. That would be <laughs> That's the man with no Instagram. Um, or you can reach out, you know, we're not, the Academy's not back yet, but you can always reach out to me um, through the Academy, the John McEnroe Tennis Academy. And um, I'm happy to entertain any questions or what have you. But guys, I really, really am absolutely honored and humbled that you uh, asked me to be on. I really appreciate it. I get a lot of, I do a lot of podcasts and this has been super fun. And uh, I'm really excited for you guys. Yeah, Thanks really, for really, yeah, really appreciate yeah, we you appreciate, that. We appreciate you saying that and, having, and being on here. You've uh, you meant a lot to our brand, so we appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. uh, I'm happy to come back anytime you want to talk about anything. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll go back to the, uh, the the puking. We can do an episode on that. No, well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or just send us a message when the contractor's done working outside your house, and we'll know, okay, it's a safe time to call. Yes, now he's done, uh, apparently. <laughs> we, we, sorry about that. Uh, yeah. we, you know. We're good. We made it through. Yeah, perfect. I'm glad to hear. Well, Richard, again, take care, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll talk to you soon. Likewise. Thanks again, guys. Thanks, Thanks Richard. Richard. Take care. Bye-bye. Hope all of you enjoyed another edition of Getting to the Point, our newest podcast series with our friends from Aerobar where we talk about the importance of nutrition and physical fitness to the game of tennis. Obviously, a big thank you to our friend Richard John Mensing, who again, the Director of Sports Performance, Talent Development, and Nutrition at the John McEnroe Tennis Academy. Uh, it's quite clear why we continue to see so many successful players come out of that uh, region, come out of that academy, and it's because clearly they're getting the sort of training, the sort of advice they need. So a big thank you to him for taking the time to chat with us. Hopefully all of you listeners enjoyed that. And again, thank you to Andrew and Mark for taking the time to set all of these interviews up uh, because we've had outstanding guests thus far on getting to the point. Richard John Mensing, Michael Russell, Jay Berger. I mean, that's a bang, bang, bang in terms of the first three. That's as good as you can ask for. So we look forward again to bringing on more and more guests to this series as we continue to get uh, further and further into it. Of course, we've been able to bring on so many great guests this week at Cracked Rackets as we prepare for our inaugural Cracked Rackets Open. We got the chance to speak to former UNC All-American Top 500 ATP player Ronnie Schneider on Monday. On Tuesday, we talked to this year's men's doubles Australian Open Grand Slam champion Rajiv Ram. Uh, of course, you know, we Technique Tuesday moved to Wednesday with Austin Rapp this week. We've been rocking and rolling here on the mini break, but of course, it's been great on the Cracked interviews as well. This week, we had Andrew Fenty of the University of Michigan. We also had Haley Giovara, the freshman All-American from Cal, as well as her uncle and coach Ken Giovara as well. Uh, two great conversations I know all of you will enjoy, and I also know you'll like our Great Shot podcast from today that we did uh, with former Big Ten Men's Tennis Player of the Year, current head of Cass Tennis, uh, David Cass, the current coach, I should say, also of J.J. Wolf, Mikhail Torpegard. Uh, a great conversation. We talk, of course, about 80s American tennis, that golden era for a generation of American men, uh, probably the greatest generation of American men ever to come out of this country, tennis-wise, certainly. And what it was like for him growing up at IMG, what it was like for him to become a Big Ten Player of the Year, that and so much more. All great conversations, all of which you can find by liking, rating, subscribing, and reviewing to this podcast, our Cracked Interviews podcast, as well as our Great Shot podcast as well. And don't miss out on Inside Out, by the way, our newest narrative-based show, uh, the first season of which looks at the best American male tennis player throughout each year of the open era. Again, it's all work we are so proud of here at Cracked Rackets. We know you will enjoy that. We know you will enjoy the videos on our YouTube channel, things such as Hidden One, our video series looking uh, following the Division One men's tennis player Alex Russian as he is up to all sorts of funny things, folks. We also, of course, have Overserve, CR Classics, uh, interviews uh, on video with Bethany Maddox-Sands and Monica Puy, and so much more, all available, and you can ensure you never miss it by subscribing to that YouTube channel. And by the way, 
speaking of all of these different pieces of content, shout out to the super producers, Max Ligner, Daniel Westoff, for the fuck of an editing job they do day in, day out. We have quite a few ideas here at Crack Rackets. None of them would be executed without the immense uh, amount of work the two of them put in. So shout out to them. We are always thankful for their incredible hard work. Uh, but with that being said, again, if you have missed any of our content, be sure to check out the website, crackedrackets.com. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, it's at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, it's at Great Shot Pod. Uh, but with that being said, for our wonderful guests, Richard John Mensing, for our friends at Aerobar, Andrew Golib, Mark Aerosmith, who again, you go to aerobar.com, use that promo code Cracked15, get 15% off your order of the only tennis nutrition energy bar available for you out there uh, for our super producers Max Lickner and Daniel Westoff our friends at Midwest Sports and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network I'm your host Alex Gruskin you know what we say folks that's the break and we will see you all tomorrow thanks everyone thanks everyone